The Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference as the first week of play is in the books. And Tom, uh, I saw a good question from a buddy, John Kurtz, who was on the show last week. And he said, what is your biggest hot take from the first week of Big 12 play? And my hot take is that the days are numbered for West Virginia head coach Neil Brown. We have talked a lot about Scott Frost being on the hot seat at Nebraska, having the hottest seat in the country. Uh, Neil Brown probably has the second warmest seat in the country because that performance against Pitt last week was so bad. They had so many opportunities to win that game. The the call to to punt the ball when they, they should have gone for it. And, uh, you know, also in that game when uh, you know, the offensive line was just so bad. How after all this time, four years in, do you have that bad an offensive line and just look so sluggish and unprepared um, in a rivalry game nonetheless? I mean, that loss was on Neil Brown. This is year four now. This is a West Virginia program that, in the new Big 12, when Oklahoma and Texas leave, there's no reason why, with their resources, why they shouldn't finish top four every year. And they're not close to that right now with Neil Brown. Uh, Neil Brown, he's got to go. That's my hot take from week one of Big 12 play. How about you, Tom? Jones, I think you're right about Neil Brown. And, and you know, JT Daniels threw a, a – I believe it was a pick six late um, that bounced off a receiver's hands, and so I don't necessarily blame him for that at all. But at the same time, it's like, ooh, you know, do you do you say it's on the receiver? It would be a shame if Neil Brown was to get in the post, uh, like in the post game conference, and say that, and he wouldn't. But it's very interesting this weekend, Jones. You, you have an early Big Twelve game, and then from there, your Kansas Jayhawks go into Morgantown, coming off of a, a game they should have won big, and they did. Uh, but Lance Leopold has a team playing hot. If your Kansas Jayhawks beat up in Morgantown on West Virginia Mountaineers, I'm not going to be surprised if they say, you know what, uh, Neil Brown, you're done. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, could be, it could be the KU effect. It really could, and it could really be week two. And if you're Kansas – isn't this the perfect time to get West Virginia right now? When and you're you're looking to punch him in the mouth, I kind of hope they do it. Not a shot on Neil Brown, but I'm you know, and I know you're a KU guy, and I root for KU except when they play Oklahoma State because they're easy to root for, right? Like right, they, the they're lovable losers, yeah, right. So you want them to win unless it's against your team, and I don't have necessarily any hate for West Virginia. Jayhawks are building something, and you know I, I guarantee you there's some some West Virginia Mountaineers out there saying, you know what, maybe Lance Leopold would have been a better choice than Neil Brown. Right, and the Jayhawks could do it. I, I I'm officially putting the West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown on upset alert this weekend. Okay, I like it. Uh. We heard from uh, TCU head coach Sonny Dykes that they were going to play three quarterbacks last week. And ultimately, they only played two, uh, Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. Chandler Morris, Tom, looked 
bad for that first half, but then finished strong, and then he got hurt. Um, and then Max Duggan came in, and he played good, uh, finishing the job against Colorado there. And so now TCU's in a weird predicament because, you know, you have two co- two good quarterbacks here, uh, but Chandler Moore is going to be out for a bit here. I guess it's one of those deals where I, they ride with the hot hand. I guess they go with Duggan for now, and then if he struggles, hopefully General Morris is back by then. I, I don't see them committing to one quarterback over the other for a while here. I think that they're going to play with whoever they got between these two for a bit. Did they give an injury timeline for Chandler Morris? I, I heard that it wasn't very serious, but it wasn't it wasn't just a stinger. Right. I'm assuming he's going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, but I thought, Mac, you know, to your point, Max Duggan, and we said it before this season started, that we thought Max should Duggan – Morris should be able to return in a week. So, okay, well, there you go. I, if and, and TCU, um, apologies, who are they against this week? TCU this week is uh, taking on Tarleton. Oh, okay. So, cleanup game for for um, Duggan right here. And you know, if you're if you're Max Duggan, you want a secure job. You go out there and play flawless. If you know it's your senior year, Max Duggan is not going to be an NFL quarterback. No shot at him. You know, it's just kind of what it is, right? Well, it's no shot at him. It's just okay. He's. I think he might know that, but. Okay, if you want to get the best out of your senior season, um, maybe – I don't know if he could come back because of COVID or not. I think TCU would maybe rather move on at that point um, to find their next guy. But if you're Max Duggan, you want to secure your leadership on this team, go out and and beat the hell out of Tarlington State or Tarlington. You know, go out and don't have a mistake. Uh, One more you know, takeaway from this past week, Todd. Uh, I watched that OU UTEP game, watched it from start to finish, and the energy that was in Norman and the excitement level, the way things were, uh, no man, no one man is bigger than that Oklahoma program. And we saw that offense was humming. Jeff Levy was doing a great job calling the plays. The defense was physical. They were aggressive. Uh, That was – that's a tough looking Oklahoma team defensively. Haven't seen that seen it that way in a long time. Granted, UTEP's not very good. That wasn't a very good test. But I think the excitement level, uh, that was about as good of a debut as it could have gone for Brent Venables there in North. Yeah, and and you know, I didn't think that that Dylan Graybrill was as accurate as they tried to make him out to be, or he wasn't, he did look good. The first two series, man, I thought I was thinking, Oh, you know, he even showed flashes of a quick Spencer Sanders in terms of running game. Yeah. 15 of 23, 233 yards, two touchdowns. So not a, you know, not a bang up game for him because he didn't have to be, I'll tell you who impressed me most. I believe his name is Gabe Freeman. Wide receiver. Looked stout. Looked like one of those, uh, Look like one of those guys who makes an impact in a in a late game to get the job done. He uh, Freeman had uh, that one run for forty uh, the forty six yard touchdown run. He, uh, I, 
that's that's the guy that beats you late. You know, that's that's one of those that's the that's the guy that OSU fears late season. Yeah. Yeah. Um looking ahead to this week in the Big 12. Let's break that down for you. The uh, slate of games this week. Got to start off with Texas and Alabama. Texas is a 20-point underdog and Tom um this is a huge game for Texas here. I mean, no one expects them to win. They are the underdog by a mile, you know, 20 points here. But second career start for Quinn Ewers going up against, you know, Nick Saban in Alabama, start taking on his uh, his old team where he was offensive coordinator at. Um, this, th- this feels like a chance to hit the reset button for Sark and Texas here. If they can make this competitive, I know that no one believes in moral victories and rightfully so. But if they can make this somewhat competitive, things are going to get noisy in Austin, put it that way. Yeah, and it'll be annoying, right? Um, even if they make it close. Here, here's my, not challenge of the week, here's my observation that could come true this week. Alabama gets ahead and plays comfortably and then starts playing conservative. You know, they it's one thing to blow out Utah State and to, what, not allow a point. It's another to play Texas and Austin, um, play against an old Alabama foe or an Alabama coach. And and Texas, I know, has something to prove or wants to prove something. I don't know that they will. I also don't know that if Alabama will show a whole lot if they get up early and get it comfortable. That's, that's my thing. So I, I don't know if it'll be – if Texas does play close but Alabama gets up comfortable early – I'm not going to buy too much stock into this Texas team. If Texas plays it close for the entire game and, and makes it like, oh, you know, makes you say, well, you know, if, if you if you have a one-word shocked answer to what this Texas team puts on the field this weekend, then I might say Texas has something going here that they haven't had since freaking Mac Brown. Um, that remains to be seen, though, Jones, and you know it the same way. That being said, I – I, I don't think this Texas team has enough right now. You mentioned Quinn Ewers. Like, what what, what kind of game do you expect out of a young quarterback like that in his second start? You're not playing you – know, you're not playing Rice. You're not playing freaking North Texas. You're playing one of the greatest universities in the last 20 years. If not, – not, not one of the greatest, the Big greatest. Man. What do you expect? What do you tell your team coming in? Right. You know, they you know they're not stupid. You know, it's you know, granted it's Texas, but you know, <laughs> jokingly aside, but they're not stupid. Those players aren't stupid. They grew up watching Alabama murder teams. They watched Alabama completely dominate teams over the whole course of their I don't know, high school career growing up. That's all they know is Alabama being dominant. These kids, these 18, 19 20-year-olds, they, they only know Nick Saban. They only know Alabama. They, they're not hardly even old enough to remember Colt McCoy right. going against Alabama. And if what? Texas is going to have a shot in this game, B. John Robinson is going to have to go off, and Quinn Ewers is going to have to have himself quite the day. If those to- two things occur, Texas has 
a shot to compete. Not saying to win. If those things happen, they have a shot to compete. I mean, yeah, and that's being generous. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to jack off Alabama too much here because they are beatable. They are beatable. I don't think it's Texas that's going to do it. And like I said before, if if Alabama gets comfortable, I don't know how much they show. Right. And I don't know if that's more of a shot to Texas saying that or if that's more of a compliment to Alabama. Right. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing, that's for sure. Other games in the uh, Big 12 this week, Iowa State taking on Iowa. Iowa scored seven points last week, Tom. Um, and it wasn't by a touchdown. It was a field goal and two safeties. Um, if if we didn't know the history of Iowa and Iowa State, of Iowa's just utter dominance of Iowa State over this last decade plus, I think we'd look back at, you know, how last week went. Uh, you know, Iowa State, they played good against a bad Southeast Missouri State team, won that pretty easily. And Iowa only puts up seven points against South Dakota State, wins seven to three. I think all of us would be sitting here and saying, yeah, yeah, I'll pick Iowa State here. But there's still something weird about Iowa State taking on Iowa here that, Matt Campbell has not been able to beat Iowa, not even once since he showed up to Ames here. Iowa has had his number here. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty simple for Iowa State, right? I mean, if they get the offense rolling, then I don't know how Iowa hangs with them here. I, I'm, I want to pick Iowa State in this game, Tom, but I, I've been let down here before. Yeah, I've been let down too, and I've been let down by Iowa State in, in terms September of- too. Iowa State, you don't touch. Are we are we looking at a a classic Big Ten matchup of a of of a twelve to seven score? Right. I I mean I wouldn't be remiss saying that, but here's here's my here's my hot take of the week. Here's what you're going to get out of me in hot take. I think Iowa finds a way to bounce back in terms of scoring. I don't think it's just going to be special teams and defense scoring this week. It's not a knock on Iowa State. I think Iowa State's going to get theirs too. I like a close one, Jones. And I like I'll, – I'll tell you what, we didn't, we didn't pick this game, but I'll tell you my pick. I like Iowa to win this game 24-20. to 20. Okay. It is in Iowa City. I, I don't know how much that plays into it, but I I definitely wouldn't want to go to uh, wouldn't want to go into Ames. I never want to go into Ames, right? Right. You know, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I think Iowa State finally breaks that streak and gets it done. This and is the pulls off the upset here. This Iowa offense is so bad. I mean, if you don't beat Iowa now, I don't know when you will. Uh, I'll You're right. State to get it done. Um, Mizzou taking on K State. K State last week pitched a shutout against South Dakota, and I know it was South Dakota, but you shut out anybody. That's impressive. Thirty-four nothing. Adrian Martinez, eleven, fifteen, fifty-three yards. Didn't have to do too much. Did what was asked of him, and he didn't turn the ball over, uh, which was big. Deuce Vaughn was incredible last week. 18 carries, 126 yards, and a touchdown. 
Uh, loved what we saw from a Deuce Vaughn last week. Taking on this uh, Missouri team who's just not very good. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, Tom, I think is going to have a day. And the key for Adrian Martinez, I think we're going to talk about it every week on this show, dating back to when he left Nebraska, is he's got to limit the turnovers. Don't make mistakes. Let Deuce Vaughn be the number one on the – number one option on this offense and then adrian martinez his job is to take care of the football and if they do those two things this i this k-state team could be dangerous yeah i think so and and a lot of people jones are saying this k-state team is somewhat of a dark horse this year and you know i i think for this k-state team and deuce vaughn i think you know you, you talk a whole lot about heisman or maybe not heisman for deuce vaughn but you talk about playing well or, or being the Big 12 player of the year even. You know, there's a lot of people that are saying that Deuce Vaughn could be that. I, I think maybe you even took Deuce Vaughn to be a Big 12 player of the year. This is where you this is where you make your money on that, right? This is the game that you need to show up for. Yes. And uh means a lot recruiting-wise, too. Both these teams going for, you know, Kansas and Missouri kids. Uh, this could go a long ways, I think. Uh of trying to own the uh, region between these uh, two teams here. Uh, Kansas and West Virginia. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but for KU, they're, they're still a double-digit underdog here. But looking at the way West Virginia played and their self-inflicted mistakes last week and how much that Kansas offense was rolling with, uh, with Daniels and, and everybody there, you know, Devin Neal was great last week. Um, something tells me, Tom, that Kansas is not going to go away quietly. They might not win this game, but I, I think KU is going to compete. And 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 this Kansas team, if they if they're going to have any shot at making the bowl game this year or anything like that, this is ones that you got to be in. You got to you got to win games like these. What's what's the spread on that game? You say. 13 and a half. To be honest with you, I think West Virginia is kind of questioning their identity maybe now. Um, this is the perfect time coming off that loss against a rival for KU to make a statement. They might not win this game, but I, I have a feeling about KU this year that they could be one of those teams that aren't going to win anything. They might not even make a bowl game, but they're going to be one of those teams that nag you like a bad wife, right? They're gonna they're gonna be one of those that they, KU has a honeydew list this year. You don't know what a honeydew list is. It's when you have a day off and your wife says, "Honey, do this. Honey, do that," and she just nags you the whole time and it makes it real hard for you to enjoy your time off. That is KU this football season. I do believe it. They might not win, but two or three games, maybe four. Uh, they got a honeydew list this year, and I do believe West Virginia's on it. I think so. OU taking on Kent State. The Sooners favored by 33 and a half. Um, I think for OU here, Tom, we all know the outcome, that they're going to win this game, and they're even a bigger favorites than what they were last week. Um, and it's finally not on pay-per-view. Uh, an OU game, you don't have to, you don't have to pay $50 for it. Uh, this year on ESPN+. Plus. Congrats to uh, making it to modern technology, Sooners. Uh, <laughs> with that said, I think it's just the little things. It's uh, seeing if Dylan Gabriel can be more accurate 
than what it was last week. If uh, the run game can continue to, you know, be as good as what it was, you know, Mims and those receivers step up, the defense continue to play physical like they did last week. I mean, uh, these these couple of weeks here, Tom, for OU is very beneficial compared to a lot of teams. I mean, you looked at, take example, Oregon played Georgia and just got the snot kicked out of them. Oklahoma doesn't face their real test First row test till next week against Nebraska. And that's saying they're going to have all the tune up they need. These two weeks, there's no reason why Oklahoma shouldn't be well prepared for Nebraska and be a well oiled machine at this point of the easy start they have compared to a lot of teams uh, of their caliber. Jones, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, I think for. For OU, uh, you know, it's one of those teams, and this is not a knock by any means. For OU, this is where they find their identity. This is this is one of those teams. It's rare to say that, really. I I, I feel I don't feel bad saying that. I just feel weird saying that. Um, that they are in a spot for the first time in a long time where they're like, you know what? They have to find their identity. Who who do they want to be under Brett Venables? And and sure, Brett was Brett was there in the Bob Stoops days and what last there in what 2010, 2011? Um when they got blown out. I think his last year was like when they got blown out against Clemson in a bowl game. Yeah. I, I think though now though, it's like who who do they want to be? Who is who is this OU team? And we kind of know what Brett Venables is like. We kind of know his style. We kind of know who he is. But we don't know who this OU team is yet. We really don't. Um, And that's coming from a guy who does not like OU. We know they're going to be good. But are they going to be smash mouth? Are they going to be high powered? Are they going to be both? Are they going to be a little of both? I I don't know who this OU team is yet, right? And I I think for a lot of OU fans, though, that was pretty exciting, right? right? Uh, you knew you were going to be good or pretty good, but you didn't know who you were going to be. And right. so everyone finding this identity of this OU team out together, and you mentioned it, this is the great opportunity for OU to continue to find out their identity. Yes. Uh, Houston in Texas Tech, Tyler Schoff is out with an injury, will not be playing for the Red Raiders. Red Raiders still favored at home future Big 12 matchup, and I think that these two programs, Texas Tech and Houston, are going to be very measurable to each other uh, over the next couple of years. What, to me, is a problem for Texas Tech is how they're going to deal with Clayton Toon, Houston's quarterback. Clayton Toon, very good quarterback. Last week had over 200 yards and three touchdowns through the air, had 51 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Uh, not having Schaff there uh, is going to be an issue. And dealing with Clayton Toon, I, I don't know what Texas Tech's going to dial up defensively here. Uh, this is a situation where the wrong team's favored. Uh, I, Tom, I like Houston to win this game and, uh, you know, as, as an underdog, uh, to win outright, not just cover, but, but win as an underdog here. I think that uh, – they're, they're going to be too much to handle. Dana Algerson company is going to take care of business. You know, to be honest with you, I still like Tech's chances here. Um, it is in Lubbock. 
Uh, Texas Tech fans talk a lot of trash, and Houston just came off of an emotional. Like if you, I watched that game. I also was watching Tulsa Wyoming at the same time, but uh, Houston came off an emotional like three overtime game against UTSA, um, which you know they're those campuses are three and a half hours away. Um, but a lot of trash talk had gone on between them. Now they go instead of instead of going south Texas, they go far west. And I still like I still like Tex chances here. Um I I think you know I think for them this would be a good start. And and Jones win or lose for Tech or win or lose for Houston, this game has the feelings of um this game has those feelings of a, a a potential new age Big Twelve rivalry, right? You know, and it's they, a and and it's a renewal of an old rivalry. Two schools that played in the the old Southwest Conference in Houston and uh, Texas and, Tech. So, yeah, that, I uh, like a couple more for you. Uh, OSU and Arizona State. OSU favored by eleven and a half. Arizona State is not a very good football team. Um, I'll be honest with you, they, they aren't. Uh, you know, they beat Northern Arizona last week, 40-3, to three, but this team does not have any expectations for success at all uh, under Herm Edwards this year. And Oklahoma State favored at 11.5. I will say uh, what we saw from that OSU defense last week, Tom, that does concern me to an extent. Uh, I think I liked what I saw from Spencer Sanders. He he was good Spencer Sanders. I hope he plays that way all year long. Uh, But I am concerned about that that OSU defense giving up so much against Central Michigan like they did. Uh, We all expect them to win against Arizona State here. That That should be fine, although you don't take anything for granted. But with that said, I think, you know, going forward and building for this point, uh, if you're at OSU, I think you'd like to see your defense take some big steps and improve right away here uh, this week. And uh, the Oliver kid is going to be phenomenal. I mean, he is going to be something special. That's We talk about improving the defense. Step one, Oliver's got to be on the field more. Yeah, and I'm surprised he wasn't. Um, he, he didn't get his name called near as much as I thought he would against Central Michigan. To be fair, I know I'm biased. I'll tell you right. Anybody listening, I know I'm, I'm really biased, um, and I, I'd like to see OSU do the the best they could be, uh, the best that they could do. But I'm also very critical in terms of OSU, and I would like to think that them giving up like what 22 points in the in the fourth quarter is them losing interest in the game. Um, Mike Gundy said a lot of what they gave up was to youth. Um, they blamed it on the youth and I could get that. I do get that. Um, but you should, you know, and not take anything away against central Michigan. They should have never, they should have never been that close. No more playing central Michigan. No, they really no. And maybe I, I, I'm superstitious, but I'm not, but it, I think they can really make a statement this week. If they can go out and do what they did against central Michigan, I don't think Arizona state's defense is that good. If you can go out and have somewhat a similar game that you had against Central Michigan and then shore up that defense a little bit, whether that be 
correcting errors during, you know, film or correcting errors during scheme. I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think that will go a long, long way for this OSU defense. And I, I think they'll continue to get better. But this is another game, like I said, against like what, what OU is going to play this week. It's a game that you find out who you are. And we know who OSU is going to be on offense, it seems. We don't know what this defense is going to be with the absence of Jim Knowles. And so this is the same thing for OSU that is for OU. Who's that defense going to be? Obviously, like I said, for OU, who's this team going to be? What's This is the week for OSU to say, who's who's this defense going to be? You right. got Arkansas Bluff after this. Right, right. You got a bye week, and then you got Baylor. So it's time to step up. Yeah. Uh, we talked about TCU taking on Tarleton and figuring out their quarterback situation. Uh, Baylor and BYU, another future Big 12 matchup. BYU favored at home. It's a late-night game, and it's going to be fun. I like Jared Hall, the BYU quarterback. He's really good. Uh, Blake Shapin, who has been really good in the few starts that we've seen. And last week was no exception either, going 17-20, to 20, 214 yards and two touchdowns. But this test for Blake Shapin and this Baylor team, Tom, is going to be totally different than anything that Shapin has seen before. Uh, you know, last year in the Big 12 championship game, neutral side, you know, playing last week, home game and, and everything, the limited starts, a late-night trip on the – on the West Coast against a good BYU team. I think Baylor's more talented then, but BYU has some things to like on their side of the bunch too. Even with as good as shape it's been, there's something that just feels spooky about this game, about a young quarterback going on the road, West Coast, late-night game against a good BYU team. Um, th this feels like all the ingredients of an upset here. I, I – I'm picking Baylor, and I think that they'll win, but BYU is going to give them everything they can handle. Does late night in Provo not feel like a Mormon Morgantown? Yeah, with with uh, milk instead of alcohol. Yeah, right. Yeah, instead of moonshine, it's milk. Milk. I would say. I would say maybe. I I would like to think that that Provo would have a little bit. Uh, upper class instead of milk, they might go with uh, a fine sparkling water. Um, you know, until I can get there and find out for myself, milk is not a bad choice. Jones, I, I think the Mormons will be crazy, though. I, I do. Um, I like what you said about, you know, it being uh, this feels like feels like an upset. This is and I, I think here's what I think. And this will be the last thing I say on this. Dave Aranda, I think, is a good enough coach to have his team ready to go into Provo because I think Dave Aranda knows that this is – he's not going to say it publicly, but he knows this is a trap game. Yeah. You, you have to. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. It's, uh, it is a trap game for sure. Uh, but there you have it. That's our uh, look around – the Big 12 Conference this week. Joining us now on the Big 12 Breakdown this week is Studio Soapbox football analyst, Coach Bo 
Brian O'Connor. You hear him each and every week on the Jones Report podcast, as well as the Coach Bo Knows podcast, and he's here to tell us about the Big 12 and the rest of the happenings in college football, as well as the latest with college football playoff expansion. Last week, week one, highly entertaining, uh, some very good games there. What were your takeaways from the first week college football? Well, you know, I was talking pretty loud about how I felt about Ohio State, and I watched every minute of that game, Ohio State Notre Dame, and Ohio State didn't play well. And I thought – Defense looked good. Defense looked real good. Their offense looked very stagnant. C.J. Stroud didn't look good at all. And I thought when watching that game, every championship team has that one game. Maybe Ohio State got it out of the way early. I don't know. But I'll tell you my takeaway from that game, Notre Dame plays tough. They are a physical team. They Their offense sucks. That quarterback's yeah. not a – I hate criticizing college players, but he's not a, a real high-level Division One quarterback. Right. I, I'll put it that way. I don't think there's anything wrong with the young man. I just He wouldn't be the quarterback at Alabama or Ohio State or A&M or Oklahoma. But I think that that Notre Dame team, I watched a lot of football this past weekend. I saw no team more physical than Notre Dame. That hurts me to say because I hate Notre Dame. But damn it, I like what I saw physically from them. That will keep them in some games. Um, I watched Arkansas. I like Arkansas a lot. I think that that's a – they just have a ridiculously hard schedule. Um, and then Alabama is the best team right now. I mean, they just – I mean, just flip a Georgia coin. looked great. Georgia looked great. I mean, Georgia was better than I thought they'd be. Um, I just – I still think Georgia's shortcoming is going to be Stetson better in the end. Here's here's what I wonder, Bo. Um, you know, these teams had months to scout their first opponent, literally. Yeah. And – you know, weeks to practice and everything. And we saw good programs with good coaches that looked just straight up unprepared. Yes. Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Oregon with LSU planning their new head coach. Yes, LSU, thank you. That's yeah. still getting weird to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was a num- that was a, a thing to me oh. as I'm watching uh throughout e- even Oklahoma and their win against UTEP. Dylan Gabriel wasn't as accurate as advertised, um, you know. And, and what about you know West Virginia and their game against Pittsburgh and all the stupid decisions that we saw from Neil Brown? His ass needs to be fired th- before the end of the year. I mean, like to me, how how do we see so many teams unprepared for Week One like that? Yeah, I agree with you on a little bit of that. I think that I, I you know Oklahoma came out swinging early. And but then there was times, and I think a lot of that you slow down as you get so far ahead in the game. But boy, I, I agree with you on a couple of those teams, and I would throw Ohio State in there. I don't think they were really prepared; yeah. for, they were coming across. No. Um, Oregon looked horrible. Go ahead, Tom. Who had a worst outing? If if granted, the teams somewhat we thought maybe not equal, but close enough. Um. Who had the worst outing, Dan Lanning or Brian Kelly? 
Ryan Kelly. His team looked unprepared in every which way. Totally un- unprepared. Morgan scored three points, though. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to let you – yeah, Oregon was bad, man. I mean, just flat-out horrible. I mean, I thought I think that was... I just watched every play of LSU, and I just think it's so personal. Um, Brian Kelly looked like Les Miles out there. But I – yeah, Georgia, I mean, just put it on Oregon so bad. I mean, there's no way they can be that bad, are they? But I also looked at it as – if you look at last season, the same Oregon team – Beat Ohio State week one and never played that well again. Right. Including getting whacked by Utah twice. I mean, the, I remember watching the first Utah-Oregon game last year and thinking, well, maybe Oregon could come back. And it just, it just, it was like a snowball rolling down the hill. It got bigger and bigger. And it was like, holy shit. Oregon looked out of control. And, and as far as how bad they looked, and it continued into this game. So I don't know if it's the combination of the coach and the team. I, they, they both were pretty bad. And I, as a fan of LSU, I'm really upset with Brian Kelly right now because I thought they didn't play LSU's brand of football at all. Yeah. But Oregon didn't play any football at all. Yeah, that's what happens when you still try trusting Bo Nix to be your quarterback. Yeah, that's another thing is Bo Nix is so bad. I again, I don't like quarterback. I don't like Bo Nix college kids traveled two thousand miles to Bo still Nix get his ass beat by George. Bo Nix is as old as I am, isn't he? He's been like right. in college for nineteen years. The fake Bo, yeah, the other, the other Bo. Yeah. So uh, I mean, he was. I never thought he was great at Auburn. You know, he got another shot to play one more season at Oregon. He's not going to be successful there. They might yeah. want to pick somebody. I don't understand why they went and got him in the first place. Right. One more thing, and then uh, we'll move on and talk about the college football playoff expansion real quick. Um, you know, the, the Big 12 has been talking about expansion for a long time, and and we even heard Brett Yormark, the uh, Big 12 commissioner, say this week that they are specifically looking out west. I think we all know what that means. And, you know, with their newest additions – the Big 12 passed on Boise State, and all signs point to they're not interested in Boise State, that they have their eyes set on Pac-12 schools. And I saw that Boise State team get blown out by Oregon State, one of the worst Power 5 programs. I mean, just a little bit better than Kansas. And, that, I mean, that's it. Um, I mean, Boise State has lost a couple of coaches since Chris Peterson. They haven't been back to any major bowl games in a very long time. I mean, they're just another program now in the Mountain West. There's not much special about Boise State anymore. They have lost their luster. And, you know, not only the academics of that school being just a little bit better than a community college and playing in a glorified high school stadium and everything, Bo, I am so glad that the Big 12 is not showing any interest in Boise State right now based on just the way things have fallen off for that program. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they looked bad this past week. I think you said it right in that they haven't been right since Chris Peterson left. And, you know, it's not the same Chris Peterson coach team, the blue field. There's really nothing to that now. It's it's just not the same situation. The Big 12, I think, is going to be all dependent on which teams they get in expansion. You know, I think it's important to get both the Arizona schools 
I think it's important to get Oregon and Washington. Uh, those are the four. If I was targeting, that's the four I would target. Um, it'll also be important to get those arrangements done and get their TV deal so they can get them in-house and get it done. Um, you know, that, that'll help be kind of the death blow to the Pac-12. But that's what the Big 12 is going to need. You're right, though, about they're lucky they didn't expand with um, with B, with um, almost at BYU. I mean, with Boise, BYU's looking like a really good ad right now. Um, I still don't know if you you uh, UCF or USF UCF UCF Central Florida's coming in. I don't know how that fits, but I mean, it's a big city, Orlando, second team, largest uh, school in the country, second largest school in the country, and that kind of thing, and then. Hey, the Houston ad is huge. Cincinnati too. Yeah, and and I I think that those were all great ads. I, I again I don't know about the South Florida one yet or Central Florida one yet, uh, but the other one I think were all great ads. They were all better choices than Boise looks like now, and it was great they didn't go for Boise. And I think now the important thing on the expansion is you've got to go for big state schools. I you can make an exception for Stanford. If you if that's who you have to settle for, but Oregon was uh, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State. Those are the four you got to target. Don't get cute and try to say, well, let's go get Stanford, Cal, UNLV, and San Diego State. That's not going to be. That's not going to do well. Yeah, um, I, w- I would say we talked to John Kurtz about this last week that if the option is. Like, hey, Arizona wants to come, but no one else in the Pac-12 does, and you have to take San Diego State to get Arizona. I'd be willing to take that if that means getting Arizona. I, well, I think really? you're not going to get Arizona without Arizona State. You're going to get both of them. They're staying. I don't know about that. I think they'll stay together. I do. I don't. I don't think I would take SDSU if it meant if that's because Arizona is not going to go alone. If you have to have a partner with them, I would be willing to take San Diego State if it meant if that's what it took to get Arizona. You're saying that you you don't think Utah will go? I you don't for, think, that's I don't know, I was going. but I'm saying if it came down to it, and that was the yeah. only way to get Arizona, was that for, yes? You think is that for just geographic, like Arizona's a top school, or do you think? I mean, if if Arizona came to the Big Twelve, not only like football, they're not worth the. But basketball, that would be it would it would be an incredible basketball conference. It would be so stupid actually if well, Arizona came to the Big Twelve. You it, the basketball that, would be crazy. I mean, playing in the state of Arizona and adding the West Coast brings value, no matter how good or bad Arizona is in football. I mean you would having that flexibility to play West Coast games would go a long way. Yeah, I, I think then jumping in here a little bit. If if I knew I could only get one of the Arizona schools, and you had to partner them up, I think Utah's a better ask. I think Colorado's a better ask than going to get a San Diego State. I'm that's not well, what you're. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if everyone else says no, yeah, and Arizona has to come with somebody, yeah, then I would be willing to go down to San Diego State if I had to. That's what I'm saying. See, I think I would. I think I'd draw the line at if you can give us Utah, I'll take SDSU. I, I see where you're going, Jonesy, and I'm not a hundred percent behind you, but I'm not a hundred percent against you either. 
I'd like to see if you're going to go get a San Diego State. I would I would want to see four teams coming, and they're the fourth team, if that yeah. makes sense. So if you were able to get, let's say it was the two Arizona schools, Colorado and San Diego State, I could probably live with that. Or if you didn't get Colorado, maybe you got Cal or Stanford. Right. And I kind of get with that. Right. But I got to have the two Arizona schools. If I'm going to have one, I got to have both. So you're saying both or neither? Yeah, I think so in this case. See, that's where I I would differ. I would be willing to take San Diego State, you know, to to make that work. I would if it was one of them with two other good schools. If you gave me – if I could make a deal and go get – I had to take on San Diego State. I had to take Arizona. And if I – could either take Utah, Colorado, or Stanford. Two of those three, I'd be okay with that. I'm taking San Diego State. Yeah, I just can't have San Diego State and UNLV be my thirteenth and fourteenth teams. Right, but that's as not what we're talking as about. As a traveling yeah. Big Twelve fan, okay, I would love UNLV. Oh yeah, I think that's <laughs> right. The right. Thing about okay, it. we gotta move on. We gotta move on. Uh, college football playoff discussion. Going to 12 teams. Bo, I like the expansion. I don't like how the expansion's being done. I hate that there's six automatic bids, especially when we're moving towards power conferences. Yeah, No automatic bids, as far as I'm concerned, would have been so much better. Uh, just take the top 12 teams. And then on top of that, the, you know, the bowls are going to host the quarterfinals. In the semifinals, I'm fine with that. Um, but to me, it's more games. That's a plus. That's a good thing. I like the first-round buys for the top four seeds. That's a good thing. But the automatic bids, I did not expect that when what we've seen out of the SEC and the Big Ten separate themselves over the last uh, okay. you know year or so. They, they don't need these other conferences. What are the – the conferences that are going to have the automatic bids. Is it going to be the top six conference champions okay. by ranking? So that's going to include, okay, for instance, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, the Pac 12, the ACC, and then the, Power the Five. American or the Mountain West. Or that, that's where I had a problem. Is the I had top a problem G5. With- I had a problem going outside the power five with an automatic bid because and the and, other and, thing too. And honestly, I had a problem putting the ACC in there. It gives an equal seat at the table for, if you went back to last year, Cincinnati would have been ahead of Utah in the rankings and Cincinnati would have gotten a first round by and Utah and Pittsburgh would have had to play in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know that there's ever going to be an, an equitable situation here. The curious thing to me is that he said the top six champions. What if there isn't six a level? What if we lose the Pac-12? Then are we going to have a, a, a two non-Power 5? It'll be two of the non-Power 4 at that time conferences are going to get automatic bids. I would have done the top four get automatic bids. I, I could have said, hey, the top four ranked conference champions. I could have seen that. Yeah. 
you know, automatic bids. Because I think the ACC is, is dog <laughs> They have to prove it now. Um, which reminds me to give you a little bit of grief on your Twitter post on Sunday. Or was it Sunday or Monday? Monday. About uh, the fraud over at Clemson? Clemson's a fraud, yes. Yes. Who's been telling you that for three years? Well, they're a fraud this year. No, they've been a fraud for three years. Weren't they just in the championship game like two years ago? Like four years ago. Has it been that they long? They were in the championship game after the 2019 season. Because LSU okay. beat them in the championship game. Okay. That's three seasons ago now. Okay. Yeah. They should have been in that game. But in the end, I, I do think that – yeah, I don't like the automatic bids either. I think – but then – that's where the power brokers for the conferences, they the, the three conferences specifically, Big 12, Big, Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC, had to try to get their foot in the door to where you didn't see you know, the top four teams get automatic bids because we might see in the future top four teams could be, you know, for instance, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. You know? So I think it's going to be something. I um, I don't know. I, I think that's the way I look at it. Is I would probably right now say I I, I like the idea of expanding to twelve, four automatic, four top four get the uh, the buys. I think it's good. I don't like the automatic bids, but hey, at least we got twelve teams going. Here. I hope we don't have to wait till twenty twenty six. I don't think they're going to have to. I think that it seems like there's some fire in these guys to get some done. I believe it when I see it. I've been. Uh, I will too. But I've I, been pulled I, before. Yeah, well, we've all been pulled before to go to the Yeah. All right, Bo, we gotta go. Hey, thank you, bud.